Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 60 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 117 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was AEW Dynamite going down live from the Peterson Event Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we got a major announcement from Tony Khan last night regarding a new partnership between New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. The president of New Japan was in the house last night, but Adam Cole made the announcement from backstage that on Sunday, June 26, we'll get the first ever super show from AEW and NJPW entitled Forbidden Door. And that is very fitting because Chris Jericho has mentioned the Forbidden Door time and time again. We're walking through that door in a couple of months' time live from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Tickets going on sale very, very soon. A major show. And Cole will give us a tease of these worlds colliding when Adam Cole, baby, faces off against New Japan legend Ashi in an Owen Hart Cup Foundation qualifying match tomorrow night on Rampage. And that should be absolutely stellar. And I'm going to pray for Adam Cole in advance because we know that Ashi don't play in the ring. And that leads to Jay White, the Switchblade himself, coming out to lay claim to the Bullet Club and the Undisputed Elite joining forces to wreck shop in Chicago on June 26th. And that wraps up the very big announcement from Tony Khan by way of Adam Cole. And I thought Cole did a great job making the announcement with the first ever super show between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I'm looking forward to this show going down in the shy on Sunday, June 26th. And this is going to be a huge test for AEW to sell out the United Center twice in a year. It will happen, I do believe. And it should be noted that WWE is running Chicago again for Hell in a Cell in June, maybe three weeks before the big super show for New Japan and AEW. And they're going to be running the United Center for TV in a few months as well. So Chicago is still a very healthy market for professional wrestling. And I expect the tickets to go fast for this super show between New Japan and AEW in a couple of months' time. And this announcement was worth the hype from Tony Khan. I think fans have been clamoring for this partnership to be official for a very long time, dating back to the inception of AEW over three years ago. And we had some feet dragging from New Japan in the early years, but now they're all in, in every sense of the words. And I'm here for it because we have the dream matches on tap involving Okada, Tanahashi, Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr., Takagi, Takahashi, Naito. These are dream scenarios that can come true in a couple of months' time. If Kota Ibushi is 100%, can you imagine Ibushi and Omega in the ring against each other once again for the first time in at least three years? I am salivating at these dream matches coming to pass. And here's what I really hope for this partnership in that we get some G1 matches on Dynamite via Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen in July. I know the tournament starts around the same time in Japan. And I would love to see what they did a few years ago by having the G1 kickoff stateside in California and Texas. And with the AEW partnership, these shows would sell out instantly. And it would give a chance for Brian Danielson and Moxley to do their things stateside before going overseas. Traveling is going to be open a bit more very soon for foreigners. And I'm very excited about that as New Japan tries to get back to where they were three or four years ago. The pandemic has definitely taken a lot from New Japan and they had to sacrifice a lot 
in the last couple of years, and that was primarily the crowd noise that really takes down some of these matches in terms of excitement. And the crowd engagement stateside and internationally has gone down as well. So I think that this show in Chicago should jumpstart New Japan being back to where they were pre-pandemic. It's still a great company that produces bangers on a regular basis, but you need that stateside touch to really push you over the top and AEW can definitely help in that regard and they can also dip into Japan as well to really give their talent something else to do via some excursions from time to time so here's hoping this partnership is going to be a lengthy one that will produce magic for everyone involved and that we as fans win out of all of this because this is something that we have wanted for a very long time and it's here it's about damn time and I am ready for the forbidden door to be blown wide open officially. And with that, let's take a deep dive into last night's Dynamite, which kicked off with CM Punk versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. And this was a really good professional wrestling match. And the story of this match was selling of the leg variety as Dustin Rhodes took a nasty spill on the outside early on and he was favoring his left knee. And Punk tried to show compassion, allowed Dustin to get back in the ring as safely as possible. But the moment Dustin kicked the left shoulder of CM Punk, Punk says, you know what? Fuck the pleasantries. I tried to be nice, but this isn't going to work for me. So he goes after the left knee by stumping it repeatedly. And he bends it backwards, twists it around as we go picture in picture. We come back and Dustin is able to fight back a bit. And he is able to deliver a back body drop to CM Punk and deliver 10 punches in the corner to Punk as well. But he favors his knee and says, oh, shit, it hurts. But he's able to hit a cold red on Punk a short time later for a very close near fall. Once again, Punk goes after the left leg of Dustin Rhodes and he locks in a figure for a leg lock and Dustin is trying to fight out of it. And we have a slap fest between both guys. I'm digging it. The fans love it as well as they have alternating chance of CM Punk and Dustin Rhodes. And Dustin is able to reverse the figure for a leg lock and Punk is able to escape by grabbing the ropes to break the hold. And from there, Punk is on the outside convalescing and he goes for a springboard clothesline. He gets caught by Dustin who hits the crossroads and the spiked power driver on Punk for a very, very close near fall that pops his crowd something fierce. So Dustin is going for his finisher again, but Punk is an enziguri, goes for the GTS, but he's favoring his own left leg at this point. He cannot complete the move, but he's able to drop down and cradle Dustin for the win. A short time later, a very hard-fought victory for CM Punk. I love the psychology of this match of both men selling injuries. Punk has been going through it lately, dating back to his match against MGF at Revolution via that violent dog collar match. And he took licks against Dax Harwood as well recently. And he doubled down against Penta Escuro and now Dustin Rhodes. Punk has been in a zone as of late. And I'm here for it. And these emotions for the AEW World Championship and then Hangman's music hits. He appears on the main stage and they have a face off and I'm here for the confrontation and the eventual feud as both guys are operating on an elite level right now. They have delivered classics in recent months. Hangman Page has been one of the best AEW champions ever, but his work has flown under the radar a bit because he's not the central focus on Dynamite most weeks. Punk has been center stage most of the time 
And I hope that with this eventual feud with Hangman Page, they can drive Story on Dynamite heading into their presumed match at Double or Nothing next month in Las Vegas. So all in all, I thought this was a very nice way to start off Dynamite. And I love the mutual respect between Punk and Dustin Rhodes when the match was over. Despite the animosity via going after each other's limbs, they had love for each other because this was a dream match. They've won it for a very long time. And you can tell via the work they produced in the ring last night. Next up is a very fun trios match featuring Brian Danielson, Willa Yuta, and John Moxley from the Blackpool Combat Club versus Brock Anderson, Lee Moriarty, and Dante Martin. And this was a very fun match. And I got to give credit to Dante Martin and Lee Moriarty. They gave it to Danielson and Moxley. They did not back down. We got Dante hitting missile drop kicks and landing shots on Danielson and Moxley, respectively. Lee Moriarty lighting up Danielson with slaps at one point, delivering clotheslines and a catch and release suplex as well at one point before locking in the Border City stretch. But eventually Dante Martin is a legal man once again, and he goes after Moxley and Danielson with beautiful Missile drop kicks and he elevates from the top rope and springboards to a high cross body onto Moxley on the outside. And he goes for his moonsault. He hesitates a bit. He takes a quick stumble and that allows Moxley to catch a mid moonsault into the bulldog choke. And Lee Moriarty is going to kick Moxley in the back to break the hold. But Moxley says, kick harder, bitch. Do it again. And he keeps kicking until Danielson intervenes. He kicks Moriarty's head in. We have Yuta take out Brock Anderson with some ground and pound as well. And this leads to John Moxley laying out Dante Martin with the paradigm shift for the win. A very fun six-man tag team match involving the baddest crew in AEW. The Blackpool Combat Club is violence personified, and I love them for it. They turn up the intensity and they get off on beating people up, and I enjoy that for them. Willie Yuta has been a revelation the last few weeks. I will say still, he needs to emote a bit more, but when he's in that ring whooping ass, he does bring out that intensity that's necessary in order to stand out in this crew. And Danielson and Moxley always bring the heat and credit is due to Dante Martin and Lee Moriarty for delivering the goods last night as well. To be able to keep pace with Mox and Danielson is truly remarkable. And I would love to see singles matches between Danielson and Lee Moriarty and Mox versus Dante Martin. Those could be two contrasting styles on display that would give people the best possible high when it's all said and done. Next up is Wardlow versus The Butcher. And Wardlow has been allowed back in the building for AEW sanctioned matches, but he must arrive in the building via security. He must be handcuffed throughout his entire time in the building prior to his matchup. He must dress in a closet, come out to no music, get unhandcuffed, go to work, win or lose, get handcuffed again, and get escorted out of the building by security. What a gig. What a life. Poor Wardlow. But he's game. He's oink, oink, bitch. I'm your war pig. I'm going to do my thing. Whoop ass, leave. And I'm going to smile about it despite my circumstances. So he goes in there against the butchers. Big cost battle. They're throwing haymakers back and forth a bit. Wardlow is getting beat down at ringside for a while. And he does get power bombed by the butcher. But he kicks out at one. And Wardlow proceeds to deliver not one, not two, not three, but the fourth power bomb symphony on the butcher to pick up the win. And MJF and Sean Spears sitting high atop the skybox, spilling popcorn everywhere, pissed off that Wardlow was able to overcome the butcher 
and he leaves via security and handcuffs, but he's happy he got the win last night. And MJF backstage reveals that he's hit up a snake to take out Wardlow next. So next week it will be the Murderhawk Lance Archer versus Wardlow. And that could be a really fun match that is built on big hoss action and maximum violence as well. And one can only hope that Wardlow continues to make MJF's life a living hell and force MJF into a match at double or nothing to free Wardlow from his contract once and for all. But as always, we shall see. Next up is Kyle O'Reilly versus Jungle Boy in an Owen Hart Cup Foundation qualifying match. I thought this was a very good match, but the crowd was very in and out forward. I don't know what it was. You got two really great performers in Jungle Boy and Kyle O'Reilly putting together a really thoughtful match. I love the scouting early on of Kyle O'Reilly catching the Escalera arm dragon to an arm breaker for a submission victory that did not come to pass. And he delivered three snap butterfly suplexes on Jungle Boy as we go picture in picture, as the ground and pound continues, we come back and Jungle Boy is able to fight back by delivering a tope to Kyle O'Reilly on the outside. And he hits Kyle with a rebound lariat on the floor as well before the action goes back to the ring. And from there, things get very physical between Jungle Boy and Kyle O'Reilly. We have a nice strike exchange. At one point, Kyle is in the tree of woe and Jungle Boy is just stomping a mud hole into Kyle O'Reilly, delivers a running drop kick into Kyle's face, who is lying in the tree of row position. And from there, Jungle Boy is going to finish off Kyle O'Reilly with the snare trap, but he waits too long to lock in the submission hold. And Kyle O'Reilly locks in an ankle lock instead, and Jungle Boy fights for the ropes. And Kyle O'Reilly is eventually locked into the snare trap by Jungle Boy. He does grab the ropes to break the hold. And we have a nice superplex spot from Kyle O'Reilly to Jungle Boy. But Jungle Boy is able to hook the legs for a very close near fall. Kyle responds with a nasty brain buster and he hits the bombs away knee drop to the back of jungle boy to pick up the win over one half of the AEW world tag team titles in advance to the owen hart cup foundation tournament on the men's side and i thought this was a great victory for kyle o'reilly the crowd was kind of cold towards it and i don't know why kyle is really good i know it might be a personality thing but if you let kyle be himself he's great and i will take kyle o'reilly from nxt Nearly two years ago, beefing with Finn Balor over this Kyle O'Reilly in AEW. I want that attitude a bit more in this space. But all in all, I thought that Kyle O'Reilly and Jungle Boy delivered a good match that went a little bit underappreciated by this Pittsburgh crowd. And it should be noted that Christian Cage came out to console Jungle Boy after this loss. And I'm still waiting for the turn. It's almost been a year. It's coming very soon. And I see the knife sharpening behind Christian Cage's back to stab Jungle Boy with it eventually. Here's hoping it happens right before or at double or nothing. Next up is the Dynamite debut of Hook versus Anthony Henry. And this was a nice showcase for Hook, who is over with the crowd. He delivers those nice arm drags and overhead throws to Anthony Henry. He lays in those forearm strikes as well and locks in the red rum after Danhausen tries to curse Hook once again. Hook no-sells it, and he gets a submission win fairly quickly. Then Danhausen gets in the ring, and he tells Hook that I've tried to curse you time and time again, and it won't work. So now Danhausen want to face you one-on-one, and the crowd pops for this matchup. And it is by far the weirdest match that AEW can produce. But I'm here for it, and I want to see how far Danhausen's willing to go to break Hook. 
can he make the handsome devil smile? Can he make him break character just a wee little bit? It's an incredible feat if it happens, but I'm looking forward to the most random matchup AEW can put together very soon on Dynamite or Rampage once Dan Housen is cleared from his knee injury. Next up is Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti bragging about their love and Sammy winning back the TNT Championship for a third time. And he shouts out his supporters for having his back. And he tells his haters to stay mad as he makes out with Ty Conti. And at this point, we got Ego Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Dan Lambert, noted babyface, coming out there to crash this PDA session. And Ethan Page says, nobody wants to hear you speak, Sammy. Nobody cares about you. You don't care about us or the fans anymore. So please, by all means, shut the hell up. And Scorpio Sky says, you know what? I want my shot at the championship that you cheated to win last week. And I'm going to get it one way or another. And Dan Lambert, who I have had a very strained relationship with on this show over the last few months, was actually the voice of reason. As he tells a story about his grandfather telling him one time that youth is wasted on the young, that Sammy sacrifices his body for the pop of it all. And it's admirable. And then when the people turn on you, look what you do. You go out here and you make out with your girlfriend as if you were a douchebag in high school. Nobody wants to see that. So we need an answer, Sammy, whether or not Scorpio Sky gets his rematch. And if the answer isn't to our liking, then Ego, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky will go down there and beat your ass and give you the pounding that your girlfriend only dreams about. And that line popped the crowd. I got a chuckle in as well. And Sammy agrees to the match under one condition in that Sammy wants a mixed tag team match involving himself and Ty Conti, his love, versus Paige Van Zant and or Ethan Page or Scorpio Sky. And Dan agrees and Sammy Guevara agrees to meet Scorpio Sky next week in a ladder match for the TNT Championship. The match should be good. Sammy's going to do some batshit crazy stuff to pop the crowd, which he says he intends to do and probably make out with his girlfriend for a disturbingly long period of time that will irk me to no end, but I will find a way to survive somehow, some way. Next up is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Britsburg's own in Pittsburgh versus Daniel Camella. And I thought this was a fine showcase for DMD as she was dominated early on by Danielle, but the good doctor responds with some nice strikes, a thrust kick, here, a neck breaker there, followed by the curb stomp and the lock jaw for the submission win. And Britt, who is out of breath, cuts a promo. And it's a little rough around the edges, calling out the AEW women's division, ranging from Ruby Soho to Tony Storm, alluding to the pie incident on SmackDown late last year, which saw Charlotte Flair throw a pie in Tony Storm's face not once but twice. And she said, as soon as Jamie Hader beats her in the first run of the Owen Cup, she's going to make her quit this company too. She calls out Jade Cargill and her so called baddie section as Brit is the true baddest bitch on the block and she vows to win the inaugural Owen Hart Cup Foundation Cup for the ladies at Double or Nothing and of course she gets a crowd of chant DMD alongside two of the very best from the Pittsburgh Steelers Najee Harris and Pat Fairmuth and that was a nice nod to Steeler Nation to wrap up this segment a nice homecoming for Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the promo was a little sketchy for me because I don't like how heavy-handed she is at times bearing the entire AEW women's division because without you, it would be nothing. It's a bit much for me, even though you are the hometown hero. You don't want to lay it on that thick because you're going to get everybody 
who are baby faces booed in that particular situation when you should be uplifting them via good heel work, regardless of your hometown status. MJF got away with it in Long Island, but he was still a dick in most cases, but got cheered for it. Now we'll see what happens when he goes back to Long Island in a few weeks time and see how that interaction goes with Wardlow in his own backyard. But there are ways to get that hometown pop despite being a heel without shading the entire women's division in the process. And now it is time for our main event featuring Darby Allen versus Andrade Idolo in a coffin match. And I've got to say that I personally prefer Darby Allen versus Eager Ethan Page last summer in a coffin match. It was a personal feud rooted in hate. It was on site for those two at all times. Eager Ethan Page threw Darby Allen down a flight of concrete stairs at Daly's place. That's how deeply rooted this feud was, and I lived for it. They brought it on the mic and in the ring, and the finisher was everything. This time, we had a big old gimmicked casket, thumbtacks nailed on the lid when you close it down and you try to apply as much punishment to your opponent to win the match. Darby comes out there with his skateboard, and he goes right after Andrade by beating his ass with the skateboard. But because a coffin match is no DQ, we get shenanigans from... Mark Quinn and The Blade, they jump on Darby Allen. They beat his ass. A brawl takes place at ringside. And as Mark Quinn is going after Darby Allen, there is a guy wearing a sting mask in the crowd. And you know where this is going. This is a tradition like no other dating back to WCW. Sting wearing a sting mask in WCW, in Impact Wrestling, in AEW, not once but twice now. And he takes off the mask and it's Sting. And he goes after Mark Quinn and The Blade. And he is beating ass two-on-one style. At one point, Mark Quinn takes a steel chair and he whacks Sting in the back with it. But Sting does not sell basic bitch offense. So he shoves Mark Quinn on the floor as they were brawling against his railing near the crowd. And Sting, at 63 years old, climbs up on the balcony and he delivers a crossbody to Andrade, The Blade, and Mark Quinn. It's spectacular, and it's picture perfect. And there is no protection on the fucking floor besides the bodies he's landing on. Sting, for me, was the show stealer of this match as we go picture in picture. And we come back, and Darby goes face first in two. The steel chair that was placed between the turnbuckles in the corner. He does fire back with a cold red on Andrade. And from there, the action spills to the outside, and they fight around this big-ass casket. So at one point, Andrade has Darby halfway in the casket, but Darby's going to brace himself on the lid, which is covered with thumbtacks, and he is pressing the thumbtacks into his arm despite wearing his jacket to protect himself. It's painful as hell, but Andrade regains control and he suplexes Darby on the ramp. It gets worse when Andrade suplexes Darby against the steel grating by the main stage as well. And Andrade is in full control as he tries to maneuver the casket closer to lay out Darby. But Darby responds by delivering a modified stunner to Andrade by using the ring ropes for leverage and he delivers a suicide dive to Andrade inside of the casket as both men go inside said big ass casket. Darby's going to hop out of the casket and close it shut when Jose Andrade's assistant comes out there to make the save and he wants to hulk up tonight. He wants to take off the jacket and the dress shirt and will pass accordingly but Darby throws him back first into the exposed lid covered in thumbtacks. Jose takes a great bump and then Darby closes the casket shut on Andrade to win the casket match. Sting reappears to celebrate with Darby Allen and the Hardys. Celebrate as well as Dynamite goes off the air at the top of the hour. 
I thought this was a fine main event, and by Darby Allen standards, this was a pretty tame match besides the bumps on the main stage. And I gotta keep it real, I thought that Sting overshadowed Darby Allen throughout this match. He had the bigger moments. The dive off the balcony, the Sting mask revealing Sting, and I prefer Darby Allen versus Ethan Page in a casket match last year on Dynamite. It told a better story. It was a well thought out creative match, and the finish of Darby crashing through the casket, laying out Ethan Page for a double coffin drop was spectacular. And I feel as if this match fell short of that. I did not expect an exact duplication of that match, but I expected a bit more creativity than what we got, which was unfortunate. And when your standard match without the gimmickry and Gaga is better than what you delivered last night, sometimes less is more when it comes to finishing a feud on AEW television. And with that, this wraps up a pretty solid episode of Dynamite on TBS. I thought this was a fun show. Great opener. So, so finished, despite the greatness of Sting. The announcement of NJPW and AEW doing a super show in Chicago was everything. But the show kind of fell a little flat towards the end, but not a bad show by any means as the road to Double and Nothing continues. And I like the focus starting in May of the Owen Hart Cup Foundation tournaments jumping off of the men and women. And that should be a nice way to provide great television heading into AEW's biggest pay-per-view of the year outside of All Out, of course. And I am looking forward to a very specific Owen Hart Cup qualifying match involving Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, FTR versus FTR. And I feel like Natalie and Bugula, I am torn and I don't know how to feel about this. I like both men a lot and I am going to be a mess when this is over because it's going to be a wrestling clinic at its finest. I do have built-in bias with someone that happens to share my last name, (laughs) but it's going to be a great match. And I laughed my ass off when Excalibur flew through that match during the rundown for Rampage and Dynamite for this week and next. And Lord, you just slipped that in there out of nowhere and I'm living for the matchup. It could be one of the best television matches of the year when it's all said and done as we are getting ready for the inaugural Owen Hart Cup to kick off officially And with that, this wraps up episode number 60 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at LadyWrestlingX on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleTopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, including Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, so WrestleTopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Tuna Plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back Saturday morning with episode number 32 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Rager. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.